Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. I'm your host, Brittany Cook. And I'm Helen, and this is Hot Coffee, Cold Crime. This is a true crime podcast where we tell you guys cold crime stories over a hot cup of coffee. Okay, <laughs> let's get this rolling. Anyways, <laughs> Helen, I'm excited to hear your case. Okay, cool. So, mine is slightly supernatural inspired. As in, like, I guess you could call it supernatural. Um, I'm going to be covering the case of the Mary Celeste. So, first we got the ship's background. It's a little boring, but stick with me. So, the Mary Celeste was made in Nova Scotia, and by the time it was done being built, it was 99.3 feet long, or 30.3 meters, 22.5 feet broad, or 6.9 meters, had a depth of 11.7 feet or 3.6 meters and weighed 198.42 gross tons. It was registered for the first time on June 1861 under the name Amazon. The man who captained the Amazon was named Robert McClellan and he was a part of the group of nine people who owned the ship at the time. Captain McClellan suddenly fell ill during the maiden voyage and when the ship returned to port in Spencer's Island, he died. John Nutting Parker took over as captain and continued the ship's voyage to London, where they were set to deliver the timber that had been loaded onto the ship. On the way to London, the Amazon encountered more issues and collided with fishing equipment near Maine. On their way home, they hit and sank another ship on the English Channel. Following those incidents, the ship's history falls quiet. It continued to carry cargo all over the West Indies, England, and the Mediterranean without issues. That is until October 1867, when the Amazon was driven ashore by a storm and was damaged to the point that the owners simply left it. On October 15, 1867, a man named Alexander McBean, a resident in Nova Scotia, acquired the ship as a derelict. According to marinedebris.noaa.gov, a derelict is a dilapidated ship with an unidentifiable owner. I had to learn so many ship terms while researching this case because I don't know anything about anything to do with ships. But anyways, yeah, so now you guys know what a derelict is. McBean quickly sold the ship to an American mariner from New York named Richard W. Haynes. 
Haynes bought the ship for seventeen or $1,750 and spent $8,825 restoring it. He then registered the ship under its new name, Mary Celeste. After Haynes's ownership, the vessel changed hands a few times and underwent a lot of reconstruction. When all of the changes were finished, the ship sat at 103 feet in length, or 31 meters, 25.7 feet broad, or 7.8 meters, 16.2 feet in depth, or 4.9 meters, and weighed 282.28 tons. They also added a second level to the ship at this point. The Mary Celeste also ended up being captained by Benjamin Spooner Briggs. The first voyage for the Mary Celeste after its revamp was to bring alcohol to Italy. Briggs had handpicked his crew for this trip. Aboard the ship was to be first mate Albert G. Richardson, second mate Andrew Gilling, the steward Edward William Speed, and four general seamen, seamen, Brothers Volca and Boz Lorenzen, Arian Martins, and Gottlieb Gutschall. Briggs also decided to bring his wife and infant daughter to come with him on the voyage, while his school-age son stayed home under the watch of his grandmother. They officially set sail on November 7, 1872, after waiting out a storm for two days off the shore of Staten Island. For two weeks, the crew battled storms and dangerous seas. Captain Briggs meticulously kept notes on all of it in his captain's log. Then, on December 5, 1872, another vessel, the Dea Gratia, came across a seemingly abandoned ship floating in the Atlantic between Portugal and the Azores Islands. The ship was the Mary Celeste. The captain of the Dea Gratia, David Morehouse, had been at port with the Mary Celeste in New York, and he knew that the ship should be in Italy already. He sent some of his own crew to board the Mary Celeste. What they found inside would spark one of the greatest mysteries ever. What do you guys think they found? Dead bodies? Hey guys, before we get started, this podcast is sponsored by Spotify. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit your episodes right from your computer or your phone, so no matter what your setup looks like, you can start your podcast today. Then they distribute your podcast onto Spotify and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, but it's totally optional. They just make it so easy for you to customize your show how you want it and how you want it to sound. And they also make it so easy for you to interact with your listeners. Thank you so much, Spotify, for sponsoring this week's episode. Let's get into it. Dead bodies? Okay. Yeah. Heard. They discovered that all of the crew was missing. Not a single one of the ten people aboard the ship could be found. Along with the crew, a single lifeboat was gone, and one of their two pumps was disassembled. However, all of the crew's belongings were neatly stacked in their quarters, the six-month supply of food and water was untouched, and the cargo they were transporting was in perfect condition. Morehouse had the ship's code to give raw tar with him and had the authorities look into it. They discovered that Briggs's meticulous captain's logs ended abruptly on November 25, 1872 at 5 a.m., just over one week before the ship was found. 
The log revealed that the night before the crew had battled more than rough seas and winds, but by morning they had come out unscathed, so all seemed fine. Captain Briggs, his family, and his crew have never been found, and the reason for the abandonment of a ship in perfect condition is still undetermined. We got a couple of theories here. Um, we got like two normal theories, and then we get into the fun supernatural ones. So the first theory is explosion fear. So the cargo that the crew was carrying was raw alcohol. In this form, the alcohol is incredibly unstable and could explode. It is speculated that they abandoned ship due to fear of an explosion from leaking fumes from the barrels of alcohol. The barrels were made with red oak instead of white oak, which is what we are used to now. Red oak is more porous and therefore more prone to emitting vapors. If the cargo was shut in a cargo hold, then perhaps when Captain Briggs went to open the door to the hold, a large amount of vapors and fumes came rushing towards him and caused him to panic. Thus telling everyone to get on the lifeboat and leave. Our second theory is poisoning. It is believed that the food the crew was eating had somehow, had somehow become contaminated, and they all got ergot poisoning, or ergot. Ergot poisoning is when somebody eats food that has a fungus called C. purpura. The symptoms of ergot poisoning are intense, so much so that in the past, the way people acted when they were affected was considered witchcraft. If the crew had become ill from the food, then it is thought that they may have begun hallucinating and jumped overboard on their own. However, the crew that found them had eaten their food while they were telling the ship, and none of them had become affected. Now we got some aliens. So, some people speculate that because the ship was in such perfect condition, with not even the crew's belongings out of place, that aliens may have abducted the crew. They could have done this by placing the members aboard the ship in a trance so that they did not struggle. Or maybe the crew got in a lifeboat to try and get away from the aliens, but were unsuccessful. I feel like aliens are always... Always a people's choice moment. They always get a they they get like the shit into the stick. They're like, God, we didn't do this one either, guys. Come on. <laughs> I know they're like accused <laughs> of a lot of things, um, <laughs> but I don't know. Some people are like into this alien theory, um, but because like none of the ship was harmed and it was still floating perfectly in the direction that it was supposed to be going. So. Wait, how old was the food on the ship? How old was it? Yeah. Not not old. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that they ate their food. No, they were only the ship was only found a week after the last entry in the log. Okay, I still wouldn't eat week old food. Well, I think it's a the, six I, month supply of food. Yeah, I think mm. it's like I think it's actually in like um like either coolers or containers like to where it's like mm. preserved. Yeah, because they need food. You wouldn't, while <laughs> you they wouldn't sail. pack six months of food <laughs> if it's gonna go stale. <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> all right, guys, let's all put sandwiches together and put them in plastic bags, and then we're going to last this for six months. We're going to hope this lasts, all right, guys? <laughs> eat the mold. It's fine. Yep. Just eat around Just eat around the mold. Eat around the mold, everyone. <laughs> okay, so the next is a giant sea monster. Oh, God. So, oh, God. <laughs> so perhaps lock, a giant sea monster, monster. <laughs> such as the Kraken, took the crew. In my opinion, if this was the case, then there would be more visible damage to the ship, 
However, some people think that a sea monster with long enough tentacles would be able to grab passengers off the ship without damage. I don't think that's possible. I, I don't think, think so either. I think, but I think what I think could have happened possibly, if it has anything to do with an animal in the sea, is like like something could have, um, you know, hit the boat to where or like. Like a giant out. squid knocked it. Or like something happened where either they fell over, even though like everything was in place. Yes, I'm aware, but like, or they tried to get away from something and it had like consumed them and the boat like uh, like the uh, um second boat like the getaway boat whatever the lifeboat um, yeah uh, that's what it's called the getaway boat the escape boat but i think that, like it, like i don't know some i don't think it was a sea monster i don't do you guys think they exist i think there's things in the world that are like big enough to be like i mean to eat a fucking boat but i don't think it's like to the point where it's like like a mythological creature yeah yeah i mean the seas terrifies me there are so many it's so deep it's so so unexplored there's so many depths there's so many like monsters down there that we do not know exist yeah so i don't know if i necessarily believe in like mythological sea creatures but i think there's stuff out there that's comparable like i'm Giant squids exist, and they're freaking terrifying. Yo, they're massive. They're massive. They got that huge, like, beak thing. Mm -mm. Yeah. Not for me. I am Mm -mm. all the way good on that. You can miss me that, Yeah, like, (laughs) I am fully okay. So this is, this next one is my own theory, Um, but I believe the ship is cursed. So if we recall the first ever captain of the ship, Robert McClellan, fell ill on the first ever voyage. The ship also had many incidents, which is odd because the men who manned the ship were all capable and experienced sailors. So, what do you guys think? I think it's cursed. I genuinely, like, shit's happened on that ship. I don't... Unexplainable. I don't know. I think that something caused them to jump overboard. Yeah, I think... No, that's not a fun explanation, Brittany. (laughs) I think that they... I think... Here's what I think. I think that they ate the food, they got sick, they had explosive diarrhea, and then they all had to like try to go home and find new clothes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think. I think they all tried to like shit over the side of the ship and yeah, just fell and one fell by off. one. Yeah. 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 And then they got they got uh, E. coli from uh, their own shit in the water. And then, yeah, like, it was just they, really wow. a shit they, show. If you would. it was a real shit yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that something made them flee. I really do. I think that something made them like. Um, I think the one with the fumes, I don't know what would ignite it. I don't know, because, like, there has to be some sort of spark to ignite it. Um, or some so, sort of pressure, maybe, but, like... Yeah, so the thing with the fumes is, like... So, the theory is that it never actually exploded, but there was, like, a big... of, like, fumes that would cause... Captain Briggs to panic and think there would be an explosion. And some people said that they think they, like, got in the lifeboat and had the Mary Celeste, like, tow them behind on the lifeboat to, like, wait for the explosion, but it never came. Yeah. But then I don't know what happened to the lifeboat. Kraken? Aliens? Yeah. Yeah. Those aliens are like, yeah, man, we could use the lifeboat up here in the sky for sure. Yeah, like, they're like, what in the hell is this inflatable thing? I need it. Right. 
I don't know. But we may never know what really happened to the careers of Mary Celeste, but the ship has found its way to infamy as one of the most well-known ghost ships. Mm. And that is the story of the Mary Celeste. Nice. I feel like I remember BuzzFeed did an episode on that. They did. BuzzFeed Unsolved did an episode on Mm. it. Yeah, for sure. Good shit. Um, Okay, well, I'm going to be telling you guys about the Velisca Murder House. So, um, yeah. Oops, wrong. That sounds like a happy, fun place to go, Brittany. (laughs) Take me there. It sounds sounds like a fun house for, like, a carnival. (laughs) Okay, well, the Velisca House may seem like a normal family home, but it was voted one of the most haunted houses in America. This three-bedroom house was built in 1868, and it was bought by Josiah B. Moore in 1893. He moved his wife, Sarah, along with his four children into the home with him. They were a picture-perfect family, and everyone who knew them loved them. On June 9, 1912, the Moore family was making their way back home after attending a children's church service. They were joined by their oldest daughter's two friends, Ina and Lisa Stillinger. The next morning, the Moore's next-door neighbor, Mary Beckham, woke up at 5 a.m. to hang laundry. By 9 a.m., no one in the Moore's home was awake doing their normal chores. She said, quote, something just felt off. The Moore's horses began wailing, so Mary went over and knocked on the front door, but there was no answer. She tried to open the door, but the door was locked. Growing more and more worried, Mary called Josiah's brother, Ross. On the morning of June 10, 1910, Ross stepped into Josiah's home to find the unthinkable. Ross opened the door to the downstairs bedroom to find the lifeless bodies of the Stillinger sisters. Quote, their head chopped open with an axe. It was beyond comprehension that six more victims were murdered in the same way upstairs. In just one night. So we got eight bodies? Yeah. In just one night, eight people had been killed with an axe in their sleep and no one heard or saw anything. The wounds seemed to be identical, with one, um, with one person being a little different. Lisa was found in a position that suggested she tried to stop her attacker. She had a cut on her forearm, and strangely, investigators, investigators also discovered a four-pound slab of bacon wrapped in a dish towel in the room where the sisters were found, right next to the bloody axe. So, like, it seemed like he, like, took a break and ate a snack. He just had a little snack. He's like, oh, this is such hard work. I told you guys, we're getting back to it. This is hard work. (laughs) Four pounds of bacon should be enough calories. (laughs) For sure. Um, It's said that when people visit this room that they feel very heavy, which, like, of course they do. Two people were brutally murdered there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of bacon. Of course you're going to feel heavy. So much bacon. Oh, my God. Weighed Um, down. The murderer also had searched dressers and drawers for pieces of clothing to cover the mirrors in the house, the glass in the entry doors, and to cover the faces after they were dead. Officials found a plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water in the kitchen. Nothing else was disturbed in the residence. The killer locked the front door and took the keys with him. So after he killed all these people, he sat down and made himself a meal. And but then didn't eat it? Well, he didn't finish it. Maybe he just didn't have enough bite. After the bacon he ate. Well, he didn't even eat it. It was wrapped in a towel. Okay, but he didn't eat all of it. <laughs> there were actually six pounds to begin with, but he could only get through two of exactly. them. Exactly. He ate <laughs> Exactly. Um, bloodhounds were sent from the back in an attempt to hunt down the suspects, but there was no clear sign of motive. 
All money, checkbooks, and valuable items were still in the house. No one knows how he got into the house. Investigators think he entered through a back window, but most people believe he was already waiting in the Moore's home up in the attic. Some people believe the killer still resides in the house. Quote, the slaying of the entire family promises to become a mystery, which will take too much time to unravel. What was really unsettling was due to the fact that this town was so small, a population of about 2,000 people, the house became a tourist site, even hmm. before the bodies were removed from the house. Hundreds of people visited the home, played with the axe covered in blood, took photos with the bodies, and moved the bodies around. The town marshal was one of many people among this crowd. So, like, yo, yo the, the police the were in the Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, I think it plays into why this is a cold case, that so many people were allowed to go into the house and move and take pictures with the bodies. Like, there's still photos on Google that you can look up, and people, like, took photos with the bodies. That is so untasteful. I'm looking this up right now. What is it? (laughs) Wait, let me finish. It's called the Villisca Murder House. Um, So, years later. Yeah, for real. Years later, a visitor stayed at the Villisca House, and he attempted to contact the Stillinger sisters using a Ouija board and flashlight. Like, you know, the thing where they'd be like, turn on this flashlight if you're in the room Mm -hmm. with us right now. Um, And he said that he was able to make contact. And he believes that all eight of the victims' spirits still dwell in the house. Visitor number two was Johnny Houser. He was the caretaker of the, caretaker of the house. Um, and he also had a strange encounter. He said, I was a skeptic when I started working at this place, which is one of the reasons that I took the job. I was up in the kids' room one day, um, and I went and locked the kitchen door so no one else could get in. I go back upstairs, and I hear someone in the house. I'm sure it's a trespasser, so I decided to pull a prank on them. I hide in the kids' closet, and once I heard them step into the kids' room, I jumped out and screamed. But no one was there. And then it was like I got the wind kicked out of me. There have been so many people who stayed in this home. But in November of 2014, the caretaker, Johnny as well, greeted new overnight guests. It was an older man with his elderly parents. He noticed the man had a huge hunting knife. The next morning, Johnny discovered that the man had been stabbed in the chest. The wounds looked to be self-inflicted, but the man survived. When asked what happened, he said, quote, All I remember is I went to provoke the spirits in the house, and I woke up in the hospital. The man returned to the house years later, and Johnny said that the first thing the man did was apologize for his behavior in the house. Johnny also said, quote, I don't believe in spirits or ghosts, but I do believe that what's in this house has a dangerous effect on people and their mental state while inside. Which, of course it does. I don't know why people go and stay overnight at homes like this like so i'm not gonna lie oh my god have you no but i would in an instant i would wait obviously until they like cleaned up the bodies and like wouldn't contaminate the crime scene like the unlike the rest of that freaking town but i would totally go to like a haunted place and be like can i spend a night here would i sleep no would i regret it five minutes after getting there yes would i do it absolutely i don't know if i would do it I, no, no, no fucking, no, no, no fucking way. But, like, why not? (laughs) Because, why not? I feel like you're inviting something, I feel like you're inviting something to, like, hold on to you. Because, you know, they say that demons and stuff, like, cling on to depressed people. (laughs) Okay, I'm already depressed. That explains a lot about my life. (laughs) Yeah. So, like. (laughs) No, you just feel like an easier, an easier target for them. 
I would be the easiest target. I would simply just let it happen. If they, oh like, approached me and just asked, like, you cool with, like, me possessing your body? I'd be like, mm, oh my God. I mean, like, maybe. Like, what are we going to like, do? What is so different about me? Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> oh my gosh. You tell need validation you like from a ghost? My body. <laughs> my body. Like, is it my body? Like, oh what is God. the deal? <laughs> no, oh my goodness, no. <laughs> no, obviously, I probably wouldn't say yes to being possessed. But I do think it could be fun to. Thank God. <laughs> I do think it could be fun to be a little ghost hunter. <laughs> be too i don't know i get freaked out really easily by this stuff um i do too i hate scary movies like i'm talking yeah. all this shit but i'd probably start crying dog <laughs> she wanted to say hi for a second okay we have jameson's dog in the how in the room the dog does this case freaks me out <laughs> okay where's disco yeah. um, um this, he is downstairs this is aggressive though that's that's i mean like also how First off, that would be terrifying to see. Like I, I like to think of myself as like there's not a lot of things that really gross me out or like freak me out. Like there's just not, and it wouldn't freak me out necessarily. But like, that would be it'd be so interesting to see a human being with like their head split open. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. maybe not interesting, um, but <laughs> maybe like a different <laughs> word. <laughs> but... No, I, I enticing, if that... you will. No. <laughs> I feel like it's it's kind of cool to see like the insides of people's heads. I mean, I look at it almost every day. <laughs> I look at it almost every day because I'm in school to be a prank. I'm so scared of you but, right now. Um, <laughs> I'm in school for it. What do you, would you rather I not look at it? No, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm in school to operate on your brain, so I think it's good that I. Yeah, and like I think that terrifies me more than the ghost. I, I'm <laughs> just fucking with you. <laughs> um, but I feel like seeing it in such a brutal way would would freak yeah. me out. Like I don't want to do trauma medicine at all because the things you see, I feel like they would just stick with me too much. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely would not be one of the people that show up at this house and take photos with a seven-year-old no. girl no. with her head, you know, chopped no. open. Also, I couldn't find any of those pictures, and that was I was. Oh my god, I'll kind of disappointed. Send <laughs> I'll send it to you. You gotta look at the right stuff. Okay, send it to me, please, because <laughs> um, I I would like that the government on our text thread is gonna be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, authorities. Sorry, Cisco's going crazy. I didn't know if that was Cisco or mine. I'm going to be so honest. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> what just <laughs> happened? Downstairs. Did you shut down for a um, second? So, <laughs> yeah, wait, no, I'll cut this, but I'll tell you guys. Okay, let me mark this clip when I tell you. I'm sorry. Um, so my grandfather just moved in with us. Mm -hmm. uh, well, back home, and he has Alzheimer's. And Cisco is—he's very sweet, but if you meet him, he will—he's crazy at first. Um, just ever since he got hit by a car, 
and I can hear my grandfather downstairs about to open up the front door, and he's like, Chloe's going crazy. And, like, my mom's, like, screaming, I'll get the door, I'll get the door. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, let me back this clip so I know when to cut it out. Okay. Um, I'm ready to go back to my apartment now. Anyways, so, <laughs> back to it. Authorities chased multiple leads over the years, including Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly, which is so many names. It's a um, lot of first names. I know. I don't understand why people have five first names. <laughs> um, but he oh. left the the Visca on a train the next morning after the murders, allegedly, and he told um, passengers there's about eight dead souls in the town who were butchered in their bed. According to Iowa's cold cases, the bodies had not been discovered at this point. Kelly signed a confession months later, and he said, quote, God whispered to me and said, suffer the children so they can come on to me, which, what a weird thing. <laughs> um, he, he, said, wait, he said, suffer or set free? Suffer the children to, so they can come on to me. Hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, make them it means suffer? put an axe in their head? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but he recanted his confession at the September trial, and the jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal, according to Iowa court cases again. Was and it 11 the, towards or 11 against acquittal? 11 towards. Oh. Mm-hmm. A second jury also acquitted Kelly in November. No one else has ever been tried for these murders, and to this day, this case remains unsolved. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think the guy that confessed did it, but he did it in a state of psychosis, so he doesn't oh remember God. doing it, which is why he recanted at the trial. Well, but he remembered doing it when he said that he suffered the children so they can... Right, but that was while he was in psychosis. Oh, so you think he, like, came out of his episode at his trial? I think he came out of his psychosis and then was like, mm, no, no. My other thing is, if you, like, look up this house and, like, if you watch any of the videos of the people that visited this house, it's very loud. Like, it's a very small house. Um, There's literally just, like, one staircase. And so every step that people make in that house, like, you can hear in every other room. So I feel like, how did eight people get murdered and no one heard anything or woke up or whatever well also, also this uh, oh, did, did he make did he make the bacon before or afterwards probably um, afterwards you, ne- but, hey, you never know maybe you don't think he was like came into the house and was like he wants bacon yeah. <laughs> offered <Breakfast> them food <laughs> <is> served <laughs> um i think he did after and also he went and covered up all the mirrors which i think is really weird too he did that after the fact mm, yeah he didn't look at himself afterward he didn't want he wanted jesus to see what he's done yeah yeah maybe i don't know what do you think for it do you think it was a ghost um i think that well i don't think it was a ghost that killed them but mm-hmm. i do think i feel like when terrible things happen at places like some sort of energy is left behind. Yeah, I believe in, like, residual energy. Yeah. So I do understand, like, people walking in and feeling, like, a dark yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So I definitely I feel like if you go in there, like, wanting to see something, you will see something. If he was, if you think he was in a state of psychosis, um, then maybe during the trial... Um, whatever state of psychosis and whatever voices he was hearing when he when he committed the murder, maybe they told him 
um, to retract what his statement was. So maybe he came out of psychosis when he gave the statement and then retract it because he was back in the state of psychosis. And they were like, no, don't tell him that. Don't embarrass him. Yeah, I don't know. Psychosis is crazy. Like, yeah, there's so many complexities to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I truly do think that that could be the case. Um, yeah. It could be just deranged, too. Yeah, or he could just 100% be off the rails. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I think, well, you guys know what I think, but honestly, I forgot where I was going with this, so. (laughs) How also, how fucking brutal of a person you had to be to just, like, straight... I know. And a seven-year-old! Yeah, well, they were, like, seven, eight, and, like, went all the way up to, like, twelve. You're like, come here, little Timmy. Bonk. Just like well, right and they in the were all fucking head. They were all killed in their sleep. So people would come and like sleep in or lay in the beds with them and take photos with them, um, with their like heads chopped open. Isn't that so weird? <laughs> Yo, that's not that weird. Is... It's disgusting. <laughs> that's also there's got to be yeah. a terrible smell. Is there not a, like a, an, an awful smell? Oh yeah, probably brains smell disgusting. Let me tell you. One of the uh, things that I had to kind of deal with, I have a very, very, like, not strong stomach at all, and your organs and your brain smell awful. So when you have to, like, be around that for hours and hours on end, it's disgusting. So I can't imagine the smells. You better put, like, some sort of patch inside of your, uh, like, mask when you're doing surgeries. (laughs) Yeah, That, like, is, like, peppermint or something. Yeah, drop some essential oils in that shit. They'll put essential oils, yeah, or they'll do, like, um, rubbing alcohol, too. I know some people that do Ooh, that. Doesn't that kill brain cells? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, are you not supposed to sniff that? Of it too. That, yeah. would, that would check out. For some of the doctors that I have <laughs> ever met, that checks out. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so this case remains 